today yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes yes we are uh change go, the form change change in the form um listener welcome uh as always to our alternate reality known as uh, general snobbery uh we have a special snob for you today um rather than focusing on a movie we're focusing on a tv show and in particular a single episode that i'm sure will in some way be a springboard to Amazing ideas, meaning utter nonsense. <laughs> yeah, more than likely. Ever since we saw Independence Day 2, we've been interested in intradimensional travel and yeah. intradimensional themes. And this particular show that we are going to look at today definitely gets into that interdimensional reality. So the show is Rick and Morty, which is a pretty popular show these days. Yeah. And I got to I got to start this one on my end with a couple shout outs because I wouldn't be doing this episode if it weren't for a couple former students actually. Oh wee. Which, you know, if you really don't care, I'd say hit that 15 second fast forward like three times. Set a course for Morty's High School. We'll probably get past this, <laughs> but <laughs> But you know how like usually when students tell you to like watch or do something, you like know that you're not going to watch or do that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, like every time a student told me, like, We're walking here! You gotta see Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Mr. Lawler! I was just like, yeah, I'm definitely not gonna do that. <laughs> just like, knew that they were just basically being brainwashed by Marvel. But somehow, when students would tell me to watch Rick and Morty, it like started to stick. And students would do it with kind of a ferocity and like a fervor that... At first, was a little unsettling, and then gradually kind of grew into intrigue. And it was like enough students who, who's, who like th actually thought about the universe and like were saying that this made them think about interesting stuff. It's yeah. Like, okay. This seems to be something to it. So I think the first came through this this dude that I taught this sophomore. You know how like there's some sophomores who just can't ever stop talking <laughs> yes absolutely like every thought that comes through their mind they just say it yeah <laughs> this, this dude was one of those guys and he wasn't an annoying one he was like a funny one so i never really tried to stifle it i just kind of laughed i i'm picturing and, a student i had a sophomore who couldn't stop talking who i really appreciated <laughs> <laughs> so uh his name is john hake john if you're out there um i'd like to thank you for your continual references to Mr. Poopy Butthole in nice. the uh, sophomore class because I heard this name, Mr. Poopy Butthole, and it just made me laugh. Like, yeah. I have a juvenile sense of humor that laughs, and I had to ask what he was talking about. And it turned out it was from Rick and Morty. It's like, okay, it's Rick and Morty. So there's a character named Mr. Poopy Butthole. And then uh, James Atwater for being an atheist and saying that this show was delightfully nihilistic. Ah. Like, okay, well, sounds good. I'll have to check that out. And um, then these two students, Nick Wolf and Dominic Albera, who I was subbing for a class, and they like swarmed me saying that we needed to do a general snobbery episode about Rick and Morty, mm. like enthusiastically. And so finally that's come to be. So fellas, um, spread the word that you've been mentioned on this podcast. And hopefully many will come to delight in the snob about Rick and Morty and Mr. Poopy Butthole. Ooh well, Sean, they should also be uh, thanking you because not many teachers would, would tolerate... Uh, once, let alone several times, a student to use the word Mr. Poopy Butthole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to the point where I actually started asking him to elaborate. <laughs> yeah, I I would have been in your camp as well, though. I, upon hearing the word Mr. Poopy Butthole, I, I would not have been one of those teachers who was like, I'm walking here. What, are you, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you're, you have detention. <laughs> you have detention. You're staying after class, son. <laughs> How dare you say Mr. Poopy Butthole? That's uh, off limits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I one time had a student, I heard him say the word shit, and then I turned to him and I think I said, I think he just mispronounced the word shoot. Uh, it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's but good. That's good. It is always a delight having been a teacher uh, when students 
they like reach this level above what you thought they could reach. And a lot of times they do that by expressing the, the art that they like, whether it's TV or movies or Mr. Poopy butthole, some experience they had. And I really don't think that, uh, butthole, you, you know what we're talking about unless you've been a teacher or, or maybe if you're a parent, then you have some idea of where it's like, Oh wow. Like this child just exceeded my expectations and I am immensely proud. And I'm, I'm willing to do what, what he or she recommends then because, yeah. They've reached something. It feels so good. It does. It does. Yeah. And then they'll lead you to things like Rick and Morty. And all of a sudden yeah. you're watching like, wow, this butthole is something else. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so we we kind of like hopped on a little late to the Rick and Morty train, but it's still potentially early in the Rick and Morty train because there's only been three seasons and like you know, 10 episodes a season. There's like 32 episodes total, but it started in like 2013 or something. and. Okay apparently caught on pretty big between the second and third seasons. Ah, okay. But yeah. now it's now it's pretty huge. Yeah, I see so many people with Rick and Morty stickers on their laptops. Yeah. Um, and as we know with the cartoons, cartoons for some reason have this ability to just go season after season after season and still feel fresh, whereas like live right. action shows usually peter out by about season four or five, no matter how good they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even y- Lost. You know. Yeah, even Lost. Yeah, who would have ever thought that show could have petered out? J.J. <laughs> <laughs> Abrams didn't. <laughs> no, he did not. J.J. <laughs> Abrams thinks that if he just keeps building a mystery, that it will never get old and that he doesn't actually have to give answers ever. Yeah, everyone will just forgive him. Like, wow, um, you didn't answer anything at all, but you built such an elaborate <laughs> mystery. I'm willing to just let that go. It's kind of like what David Lynch does, like with Mulholland Drive. It's just like Mm. the mystery grows and grows. And then like at the end, (laughs) he provides, I don't think you could call it an explanation, but basically like the world just turns over on itself and it enters kind of like an alternate dimension, which Ah, I guess you could say lost aspired to, but I mean, you can't really reach Lynchian levels when you're, when you're a Spielbergian, if you know what I mean. (laughs) That... Wow, I know exactly what you mean. That was very well said. <laughs> you cannot. You're right. There's yeah. a Lynchian universe and a Spielbergian universe, and they are not. They do not intersect very well. No, yeah. no, they don't. <laughs> Ooh, that is that is a that sounds like a really cool bubble chart to make. Like, what directors mm. fall in the Spielbergian world? What fall in like a Lynchian world? And in, in the Venn diagram, who's in the middle? Yeah, I might. I might venture to say. Fincher. I was going to fucking say that. <laughs> Fincher. When you're a Fincherian, yeah. you can go Lynchian, like mm-hmm. in the style of, I mean, I I guess Fight Club uh-huh. and <laughs> like maybe <laughs> Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, or, or you can make the curious case of Benjamin yeah. Button. Yeah. <laughs> Be all Zemeckis-like. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, <laughs> now I'm wondering if David Fincher like made Benjamin Button as a parody. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, hey, this is this is really easy to do. <laughs> yeah. You guys are gonna think this is good. <laughs> really, I just have the lowest the lowest opinion of humanity you can imagine. <laughs> Parasite. <laughs> right. uh, speaking of Zemeckis though, you know uh he did uh B two B two F, Back to the Future. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was the uh the inspiration for Rick and Morty. Of course, yes it was. Yeah. Justin Roiland, who's a co-creator of the show, but it seems like most people give him the credit yeah. over Dan Harmon. Like, I think he like he created it, but I think Dan Harmon maybe had, like... I don't know. They teamed up at some point, but, like, Justin Roiland had created these characters. Yeah. And it started as, like, a Doc and Marty spoof. You know, you got, like, yeah. the mad scientist and the kid, but, like, he just made it super dark, where yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in, like, this short episode, this, this short film or short animated film he made... It's somehow like real quickly within a couple of minutes leads to Doc, who looks like Rick, like making Marty or Morty like suck his dick. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. He like has to do that for some reason. So we'll put that in the uh, the show notes if you want to check out the link to that. <laughs> yeah. And that's a good, that's a good way to kind of jump right into the show because it, it's, it's bizarrely dark. You know what I mean? Like it's. It's yeah. dark while being colorful, and 
It is yeah, um, really funny. It's very funny. <laughs> and it, it's no one has really been able to like adequately describe the show to me or themes. And I don't know if it's because it's all over the place or the fact that the show takes place in a world where interdimensional travel is commonplace, at least for someone like Rick. And so there are no bounds on what reality holds, basically. And so it can be anything. It can be a like a like a flying butt that farts. Like that's that shows up every <laughs> once in a while. Um, yeah. And, or any, you know, a, a, a land called Gazorpazorp, um, <laughs> which is one of my favorites and just crazy stuff. Yeah. And so it's, it would be a monumental task to try to talk about this whole show in the course of a single snob. Like it could definitely be a revisit. So we're going to focus yeah. on Mr. Poopy butthole, a single 20 minute episode, which is in season two. The episode's called total Rickall. Yeah. Little reference to uh <laughs> TR. TR. Recall. Yeah. PK, PK Dick. Ah, PKD. Yeah. Yeah. Ford. Ford. No, no, Wait. Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger, yeah, and then the new one, Farrell, Colin. Farrell, that's right. Uh-huh. Yeah, because they they made a new Total Recall and a new Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah, they did. Damn, Ford. <laughs> <laughs> so it's what season two, episode three, or uh, episode yeah, four? I think four. Yeah, and, um, and so to, the reference to Total Recall is because in Total Recall, it takes place in the future where people go to these like. I don't know, like little like whorehouse looking places Ooh-wee. and they uh, they get strapped into these wires that give them poopy pants, pleasant memories that are fake. But then these people are living, you know, imagining that they can remember this this great thing that happened to them or something like that. So the show uh. Total Rickall is centered around the idea of memory and in particular, pleasant memories. Yeah, it's essentially set up to where uh, Rick, who, if you haven't watched the show, is like this. He's said to be like the smartest man in the galaxy, but he's like a really crass alcoholic yeah, as well. And a manipulator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And basically uses his grandson, Morty, who's, as Rick describes him in Total Recall, like an implausibly naive prepubescent boy. <laughs> implausibly naive pubescent boy with an old Jewish comedy writer's name. <laughs> he's so mean to Morty. Shut up, Morty, you brainwashed little turd that might not even be real. Yeah, he's brutal to Morty, but Morty just kind of follows him through these interdimensional adventures and usually ends up getting completely screwed over. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so in the home of Rick's daughter beth and her husband jerry who are the parents of morty and his sister summer uh, summer yeah there is apparently there's this guy uncle steve who's at the table and we've never seen <laughs> uncle steve in the show before but they're just talking about all these great memories with uncle steve and rick comes in and says something like who the fuck is this and <laughs> ends up shooting uncle steve and he just basically dwindles into this butthole weird like wrinkle alien parasitic goo yeah. alien thing with like these weird spindle things flopping out of its big old mouth <laughs> and it turns out that someone has tracked in an alien parasite that works by embedding itself into people's memories and then spreading through those and the whole episode is just kind of watching that happen in often hilarious ways and the beginning scene before the credits ends with Rick saying, we got to be very suspicious about, or we got to look out for very suspicious characters. And right after he says that, <laughs> in hops this, uh, like, yellow, like... He reminds me of kind a... Kind of cylindrical yeah, hot dog Yeah, he reminds thing. me of a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the shape of a hot dog, but he's wearing, like, pants and a top hat <laughs> and, <laughs> like, kind of has his, his arms... Like joyously, like his fists at his hips yeah. and like his legs kind of such a kind of bowed out. Nice demeanor. He like <laughs> pops on screen with such a kind, happy demeanor. Uh huh. And he his trademark phrase is "ooh wee." <laughs> <laughs> and this character, it turns out, is Mister Poopy Butthole. Yeah, he's Mis- about four inches tall. <laughs> <laughs> Very tiny little guy, and he's just like he just jumps on part of he's part of this family now, basically. Yeah, and he even uh, Rick says, uh, thanks, Mr. Poopy Butthole. We could always count on you. We're here to help. 
constantly <laughs> making. Never been in the show. Never been in the show, but like there are multiple references throughout the episode that Mr. Poopy Butthole has always been around and like been an integral part of like the family and the family's well-being and happiness, basically. Right. So it's a brilliant setup because instantly we're thinking like, all right, who the fuck is this thing? And we figure he's probably a parasite. Yeah. And then the rest of the show begins to evolve where more and more characters show up and, you know, we're led, we're led to believe they're parasites and quickly we realize they are because these characters slowly begin to convince the entire family, Rick, Beth, Jerry, Summer, and Morty, that, that these characters have always been around, like Cousin Nikki. Oh, yeah! For example, <laughs> he's the first one. Yeah, he's the first one, and he's just like a kind of like a Brooklyn Arthur Fonzarelli who always says, "I'm walking here." <laughs> and he yeah, could, it starts with uh, Mr. Poopy Butthole talking about a memory. It's it kind of I think it might be kind of spoofing Family Guy in a way. I think the way they like introduce these memories, you know, like remember the time that yeah. blah blah blah. It's like exactly the way that South Park <laughs> makes fun of Family Guy. Yes. <laughs> In uh, fa- uh, Cartoon Wars, when mm-hmm. you had Peter like, remember the time that... <laughs> yeah. And then it just goes into the most random <laughs> scene imaginable. Remember when Mr. No T gave me iced tea? <laughs> I'm walking here! <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, with this show, they found a way to like, bring it into the plot, though. So it's not just mm-hmm. these random funny moments. Like, Mr. Poopy Butthole remembers... A time when the whole family got stuck on an elevator after, like a, a incredible Hulk convention. Or <laughs> yes. <something. laughs> and Jerry, the dad, who's a moron, is just like angrily punching buttons. <laughs> and amidst this memory, the top hatch of the elevator opens, and cousin Nikki pops in. I'm walking here. Who's also never been in the show and uh-huh. just says, "I'm walking here." <laughs> And then after after this memory and in future memories, like right after the memory ends, that character is now in the house with them. So right. <laughs> so like then we flash back to the current period and cousin Nikki is like, ah, yeah, or like whatever. Like that was crazy. He's yeah. like, but nothing's going to bring us down because we're walking here or something like that. Like inserts himself into this family. And it's at this point that that Rick realizes that cousin Nikki is a parasite and shoots him just as he had uncle steve <laughs> and so rick insists that there's only six there's only six members of the family him jerry summer morty uh beth and mr poopy butthole Ooh-wee. And the only <laughs> six and so anytime there's more than six they got to figure out who it is but basically everyone is constantly fooled like anytime a memory happens and a new character comes in they're just all of a sudden flash back to the house and the character's there and everyone's completely convinced of the memory and even Rick, who's apparently the smartest guy in the galaxy, starts to like kind of falter. Like he's not perfectly able to point out the parasites. They start infecting his mind too. He realizes that something's going on, but like he can't even control it. Remember the barbecue. Remember the barbecue. Yeah, and and they fool Rick because even even though he wrote down there are six members of the family that are not parasites. Uh, through the memory manipulation, one of the characters who was <laughs> Pen Sylvester, uh, a, a little pencil man, um, convinces Rick that he wrote down the number six just because that's his favorite number. And he wrote it down for literally no reason at all. So, so I just love the number six for no reason. Now, at this point, Rick and everyone else has lost any sense of how many people are actually not parasites. And some of these parasites, they like they come into the memories with these like really obvious one-liners like yeah. the way that a one-liner would come from an old like sitcom or something <laughs> yes like, when mr beauregard the <laughs> butler like abruptly shows up to kill some nazi guy and uh-huh. he says like after due consideration i have elected not to retire <laughs> <laughs> they all just like laugh hysterically and yes. then he's just back in the house with them <laughs> <laughs> yeah, serving them little finger sandwiches. Marmalade is served. Ah! Yeah. And so as the episode goes on, the characters become more and more ridiculous. Like Penn Sylvester, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frankenstein's monster abruptly shows uh-huh. up. So there's this good blend between like actual characters of like our inherited collective memory and then characters that they just completely created for the show. 
soon enough, once they they convince Rick that there was a barbecue to the point where all the characters are like in a brainwashing type of way, just keep saying, remember the barbecue, remember the barbecue. And then in the memory of the barbecue, there's like 80 characters. And so they're all in the house now. Yeah. And something interesting about these parasites is their motivation is to, I, I, I don't remember if it's explicitly made clear or it's just implied that their motivation is to basically like take over humans. And so yeah. Rick, once he realizes that there's any parasite in the house, he puts the house on total lockdown and he like has these like these blast shield doors, like cover every window and door. So yeah, Mr. Poopy Butthole says, this makes me claustrophobic. <laughs> Rick. <laughs> Hey, Rick. <laughs> you know, what I realized when when everyone's chanting, remember the barbecue, Mr. Poopy Butthole's voice is, can be heard very loudly. <laughs> yeah. remember, remember the barbecue. barbecue. Remember, remember the barbecue. barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so these, these memories, these parasites keep trying to convince Rick to open up the blast doors because they're saying, you know, there's nothing wrong or there are no parasites here. Like we've yeah, always been paranoid. here. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. it just reminded like, me of The Shining. Ah, I didn't think about that till you've always with, been here. Oh, does uh, Grady say that? I think Grady says it. Yeah, yeah. You've always been the caretaker, Mr. Yes. Torrance. Um, but uh, so they're trying to convince Rick to open up the house so that these parasites can go out into the the world because take over the planet, take over the planet. Um, and it's just, <clears throat> I just when I saw this episode for the first time, I was so amazed at kind of the themes that this episode brings up. Like something that really cracks me up about Rick and Morty is because it's so inspired by science fiction, which was like huge in the 1970s. It brings up all these really crazy themes about human nature because someone once explained to me that science fiction from the seventies was like really, really profound. Even if some of the science fiction movies are like, seem really stupid. They're bringing up these really deep questions because it was the height of the cold war. So this idea of nuclear annihilation was always on people's minds. And like, I think some recent discoveries in like human anthropology, actually, I think that's an oxymoron. <laughs> anthropology means the study of humans. So whatever. <laughs> Butthole. <laughs> uh, but some discoveries in anthropology and psychology, I think made a lot of people think about human nature. So, mm-hmm. Like, 1970s sci-fi is always questioning this stuff, and Rick and Morty is based on that. So, it's, like, it's asking these, like, deeper questions that are, I feel like, masked by, like, a character named Mr. Poopy Butthole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, like, the postmodern thing, I guess, is to, like, weigh the highbrow with the lowbrow in a way. Like, you know, uh, you go into these huge abstract echelons of philosophy, but, like you make a fart joke the next line. Yeah. Like, I've, I've seen that in like Thomas Pynchon and David Foster Wallace, where there's just this big fluctuation that almost exposes this massive reach between the two and kind mm-hmm. of elucidates like a spectrum, I guess that like strict realism isn't going to be able to bring light to. And it's just funny. It's funny when like, you know, you're thinking about deep questions about like human existence and then, in pops Mr. Poopy, Poopy Butthole, yeah. who comes into the last scene saying, this little poopy pants is hungry. <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, so listener Sean sent me a Snapchat of some scenes from this particular episode. And that's what finally convinced me I had to start watching Rick and Morty. Yeah. And that, yeah. that scene of Mr. Poopy Pants, because just hearing Summer call Mr. Poopy Butthole, Mr. Poopy Butthole. I was like, uh-huh. you got to be kidding me that there is a show with a character named Mr. Poopy Butthole. Ooh-wee. Yeah, who looks like that? <laughs> <laughs> like, if you still don't know what he looks like, I would highly recommend just Googling this character. It's just, there's something so lovable and hilarious about him. Like, I looked at Rick and Morty, like, fan pages, you know, like top 10 episodes and top 10 characters. And Mr. Poopy Butthole is almost unanimously number one. Wow. And this episode's always in like the top three of all time. <laughs> it's just, there's something amazing about it. But, you know, that's basically we've just set up the whole episode and it just becomes this like chaotic infestation of these parasites who convince people, especially Rick, because Rick's the only one who like 
keeps reminding everyone what's going on and they convince him that he's being paranoid that everything's fine that he should just open the blast doors because it's all okay but oh you know you had you had some interesting insights that you told me about <laughs> that i hadn't thought about regarding because there's a sense when all this is happening that i think rick and morty is amazing at doing where like but yeah, you could just watch the show and laugh at the surface. Like, yeah. it's just hilarious. You could laugh at the characters, at the situations, and just like the things said, like, there's just laughs, and <laughs> that could be it. Or you can start, like, diving into what it's getting at, and, like, the possibilities of what this 20-minute episode can say. <laughs> and it's not, it's not quite like South Park, where it's usually very easy to figure out what South Park is saying. Yeah. And, you know, that's not a discredit to them. It's not like they're trying to be subtle. Like they're trying to be like <laughs> as obvious as they can be about yeah. what their satire is. But there's a subtlety to Rick and Morty. And I think you kind of hit on one of the subtle themes of this episode. Yeah. So this episode, you know, it's all about it's all about memory manipulation. You know, these parasites are coming in and they're convincing the main characters essentially that they've always been around like this particular character this parasite and that things have always been good we remember the barbecue. and <laughs> it instantly made me think about a kind of two themes like the media and fascism and i finished this episode and i was like i think this episode is about the rise of fascism and i'll, I'll get to that in like just a second but um and that's the way the news goes actually I totally forgot what I was going to say. Uh, so it reminds me, if I have to kind of point out to something it really reminds me of, it's the movie Barton Fink. And if you've never seen Barton Fink, listener, we've referenced it. Um, we've referenced uh, Goodman many times. Yeah, and Turturro. Turturro. Coen Brothers. Coen Brothers, yeah. You you have to see it. It's great. It uh, It's funny. But one of my favorite things about it is Roger Ebert's review of it and how he talks about it's about the rise of fascism. And there are a lot of reasons you can point to that, even just like the movie takes place right before World War II. But John Goodman's character is this really interesting character who seems so nice uh, on the surface. And then behind him are these like sinister motivations. And I one time heard someone describe fascism as as basically that. It's like fascism on the surface seems so great because initially a lot of people benefit from fascism. Like if you are on the side of a fascist, like you are, you're living it, you're living it up. Like if, like if, if you are part of a fascist regi regime and you happen to be on the side of the fascist, like you are, you're in a good situation for you. Um, if you're on the opposite side, you're in a horrible situation. So fascism has this way of appearing to be like really, really, really good. And it has this way of like presenting itself as like having always been the source of goodness. And that's essentially what these parasites are doing. Like they're coming in, you know, let me think of a, uh, I'm trying to think of one of the parasites who has like a really vivid, vivid, uh, kind of like, like, I, I don't know, maybe like Mr. Mr. Pencil or Pencil Vester, the tiny pencil man, like he appears in the barbecue flashback and he's like happy with Rick. And he's like, see, Rick, like we we've always been around like we're all at the barbecue. Six, ten. What's the difference? I just love the number six for no reason. Where's my pencil at? Here, Rick, use me. Oh, thanks, Pencil Vester. And um, and then that just like cements Mr. Or the Pencil Vester like into the episode. And so the parasites have this way of making everyone remember how good it's always been with them. Six, ten, what's the difference? But in reality, all the parasites are doing is manipulating these people. And it just, I was like, I really think that that's what fascism does. And if you think, if you hear like fascist rhetoric, um, like Hitler or any other fascist, they're constantly referring to history and how like things have been better with this fascist outlook and how there's always been something wrong. And for the parasites in the episode, things have always been better with them. And Ooh they just don't present a way of conceiving of the world without them. And I just, I thought it was so fascinating, maybe because it just fit with 
what I view as contemporary society in the United States, where facts are simply not respected as they have been previously. Six, ten, what's the difference? Like how lies, like, so recently Donald Poopy pants. Trump uh, tweeted about his State of the Union address and said it was the most watched State of the Union address ever, which it was not. Like, And that's easily verifiable that it was not. But his saying that has been enough to convince people that it was. And so it's mm. a total manipulation of memory, basically. Which, so what you're really saying is Donald Trump is a fascist. <laughs> I do think that he exhibits quite a few fascist qualities about him. Yeah, I don't think that's too debatable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he blatant lying, I think, is is part of fascism. Six, ten, what's the difference? It's a part of any like authoritarian regime or whatever, but like it's convinced. Yeah, just like a, it's a it's it's almost more than like a political move. It's a total uh, epistemological move. Mm. So like how, what we know. Yeah. It's like yeah. philosophical. Cause I, I think a lot about like the way communism has manifested in history as well. Like, especially during the time of fascism, right. With yeah. the Soviet union and like anyone who's going to think about the way things actually were in the past and like admit to flaws of the state is yeah. just, executed yeah. you're gone <laughs> like, you have to abide to and like adapt to this absolutely blissful this place is the best perfect like patriotism whatever or else like you're dead yeah yeah like uh, something you said there sean which i think is great is like this idea of like like thought and thinking because like, like these like authoritarian like ways of government or like regimes, they're not like, they don't even allow freedom of thought, you know, like in, in a free society, you can think what you want, you can believe what you want and you have freedoms like to the extent that you don't harm other people or, take away other people's freedoms but in like a fascist or like a communist regime you're not even allowed to think against the regime like or express mm -hmm. anything and so it's like again like more than just like lacking like social freedoms like you're lacking like thought like the freedom of thought yeah. and for me this episode shows how these parasites have like come in to restrict the thoughts and memories of the family Mm -hmm. and how it appears so good it's like yeah like we love it we have hammer eye and we have we have william wallace and we have ghost <laughs> in the jar like this is great you know but like all they want to do is get take out over of the, the house planet. and take over the planet yeah that is their sole <laughs> motivation <laughs> yeah so like in the rise of hitler like he people point to this a lot like he did some stuff for germany that was like really good and we're here to help he helped like rebuild the economy and he built like their highway system and uh, did these like other good things and it's everyone a was lot like of trust yeah a lot of trust like yes like we'll always trust you, you know, cousin nikki and Walking. frankenstein's monster and sleepy <laughs> gary you know like well sleepy gary <laughs> we have no reason not to trust you like except for the fact that they're just trying to take you over yeah yeah i keep thinking of george orwell you know animal yeah. farm in 1984 1984 has, you know, the thought police, which was getting at like just what you were saying, like where you cannot think certain things or you will be, uh, <laughs> I can't remember the term they used in that, like uh, vaporized, vaporized. Was that the term? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> vaporized. <laughs> My favorite is in Catch-22 when you like, when a character gets disappeared. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> the character of Dunbar is like disappeared by the government ah. <laughs> so it's an actual verb that is done to them but I, I think animal farm is i personally think it's way better than 1984 and that it hits all the same themes but like in a way more simple kind of way without mm. like playing more to orwell's strengths instead of him trying to humanize a character because i think he essentially thought human beings were robots ah. but like the pigs take over this animal farm after they overthrow it and they create this ser this series of rules. You're, 
I guess it's not rules. It's just like principles that Animal Farm is going to be run by. And everyone agrees. And there's all this trust. And it's this perfect place. And they start using like the memory of what it was like before the animals took over as justification for changing the rules. And the pigs start to like subtly change the rules. They'll change like two or three words that completely changes the meaning. And then the other animals will say like, wait a second, wasn't it different? And the pigs will say like, no, it's always been this way. And then they'll be like, what are you saying? Like, are you wanting to go back to what it was before, like when uh, <laughs> the judge was in charge or whatever? Mm-hmm. And so they then all of a sudden the animals abide and like, oh, I guess it was always this way. Yeah. And by the end, like, you know, the central principle was all animals are created equal. And at the end, it's all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than other animals. I'm walking here. Yes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a good book. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a good one. It's always good to revisit. But mm-hmm. a lot of people say, you know, that that has direct parallels to the Russian Revolution and the rise of communism in Russia. And like, that's clearly the case. But like, it's not limited to that. It's like the trends of all these different systems of power that infiltrate and, you know, act like your good friend. And then, like you said, you know, create these memories of perfect times when they've always been there. And really they're just taking over the whole time. And I think in the United States, like because we've just been spoon fed this rhetoric of like freedom and freedom of expression and free thought and our education system perpetuates it. We tend to think we're exempt from these trends. Like, Oh, well that happened in Germany and that happened in Russia and that's happening in North Korea. But like we're the United States that doesn't happen to us. Yeah. It's like, dude, this happens fucking everywhere. And it happens in the most powerful nations that rise. Like (laughs) look around you, the shit's happening all over the place. Like look at the media and like, like what's just what you said about Trump, like in this whole era of like fake news and just the skepticism around truth. Like, people in the United States could very easily create like this alternative history and this, these alternative facts or whatever, and convince huge amounts of people that they're true when really it's just like six, 10, what's the difference power. Hmm. And it's just like manipulate, manipulating and keeping people like servile and laughing along with like Penn Sylvester chomping on his burger or (laughs) this like, bear creature that's like bear pimp did you notice oh, that yeah, guy yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like the best character yeah uh it's it's so true like it's it's a manipulation of thought and that is horrible you know like it is mm-hmm. it is an affront to truth which like any kind of democratic society has to rely on truth rather than on like a well-groomed and cultivated narrative because then it's just deception and it's deception for the, for like, you know, deception for the sake of, of accomplishing something because of power, basically. Yeah. Maintaining like servitude and allegiance, but essentially just having that same motivation that the parasites have, which is like to take over the planet, to rule yeah. the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like to, some people might think we're like reading into this too much, but mm-hmm. um, there's this part where like Frankenstein's monster, especially like starts to change the narrative and make everyone skeptical of Rick. And Rick is yeah. the one, he's the one who's like, these are parasites. We got to like figure out who they are. We can't let them take over and we got to like keep them in cage or they're going to take over the planet. And eventually like these parasites actually start, changing like summer's mind and morty's mind and making everyone think that rick you know is the one and they start like creating these memories of rick that make him feel implausible they're like well he does have a lot of like implausible one-liners and it just goes through this like (laughs) montage of different like one-liners that rick has which is another example of like lowbrow stuff because one of them he just screams AIDS and <laughs> oh yeah but this, this other one he says and that's the way the news goes and at the end of the episode the very end of the episode like the post credit sequence and he says that again that's the last line so they're bringing extra emphasis to that line and I remember being struck by that the first time I saw it and then when I watched it again it's like okay that's the way the news goes like. That seems to be some pretty direct commentary on like 
what's happening with the way the news is like yeah. creating these histories and these these stories of what I don't know, like whatever you want, like mm-hmm. whatever your bias is going to gear toward, but like totally manipulating someone's sense of any any object of history and saying, you know, it's always been this way under this particular narrative because kind of like we were getting at in our last episode it stifles thought which Mm -hmm. as you said is like the pillar of fascism and that's the way the news goes yeah yeah and you're right i kind of forgot about the way frankenstein's monster turns everything around like to the point where they are they take rick out to the garage to kill him (laughs) and they're gonna (laughs) morty morty's about to kill him (laughs) yeah morty's about to kill him um And then Morty comes to this realization. AIDS! But uh, I thought yeah, it was so... Have we said what the realization is? Cause it's, no, it's let's key. go there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just as to put it out there, the realization that Morty has is that the parasites can only inflict the mind through good memories and that they only create good memories. So all you have to do is just realize if you have a bad memory with a person and then you realize that... They're not a parasite. Brainwashed little turd. Yeah, which I think that has a direct correlation to a news outlet like Fox News, which will virtually never, ever um, say anything critical against, like, the Republican Party. Um, And so it always Mm. paints this picture of happiness, just like the parasites were doing in the episode. Like, hey, like, everything, everything's always good. Like, you know... But Morty realizes, oh, hang on, like the like imperfection. It, it almost like says that like having. I, I don't know if there's a way to like summarize this, but like he realizes the imperfection in certain characters and realizes that like okay, now they're real because that's that's reality. Like any political system is going to be imperfect, so presenting one as perfect means that it must have some sinister motivations mm-hmm. if we're looking at it from like a political standpoint or something like that. And it's like what people do on social media these days too, right? Like they just kind of present this persona of themselves and like, especially politicians where they're mm-hmm. flawless beings and they just like, you know, show this perfect life where there's no bad that's ever happened. And that's the way the news goes. And yeah. Like people eat that shit up. As if it's mm-hmm. some reality, but oh. that's one of the things that I really love that this episode does is it like affirms the negative. Yes. You know, like we like to we like to spin our history sometimes as this absolute positivity. Like if you read a a history book in American history during probably any well, pretty like most history classes, like standard history classes uh-huh. and like <laughs> you know, our standard schooling system. The Americans are always heroes. Like 100% of the time, they act correctly. Yeah. And that's just not true. It's not fucking possible. Like, Uh we are flawed beings, and there's always, like, moral struggle and... AIDS! Strife. So, I think this episode's like, hey, like, stop spinning these stories as if everything is perfect. Like, we're fucked up, Mm -hmm. and that is a part of the reality, and you have to look at that, too. Yeah. Like there's a famous book. I've read a little bit of it, not much of it, but it seems like it it should be every it should be a read for everyone who considers themselves a thinker. And it's called the The People's History of the United States. And it was written by a historian named Howard Zinn, who I believe was friends with or at least uh kind of uh colleagues influential along with uh Noam Chomsky, who's still around today. And um both of those guys have had their fair share of criticisms against the United States and accusations are always put against them as like being anti-American, anti this, anti that, basically just like communist scum of the earth is how these yeah, like communists, <laughs> these two guys are portrayed. But, uh, I would imagine they both would say, no, they, they have, they do have pride in their country, but they would rather see their country like achieve its goals of being like uh, a liberal i don't want to say that word because people are well whatever we've already i think bashed right-wing stuff enough that if there are any (laughs) right-wing listeners still left i commend you because you have listened to something that you definitely don't agree with like the fact that donald (laughs) trump is a fascist asshole butthole (laughs) poopy butthole i mean Um, Uh, yeah poopy butthole 
but those I think those guys would say like, no, we we want to have a, an accurate view of our country. That way we can improve upon our wrongdoings. Whereas that like parasitic notion is like, oh, let's always just paint the portrait of our country in a good way. And like mm-hmm. just gloss over, just gloss over Native American history. And, you know, like I, I yeah. remember growing up like history of the United States in along with Native Americans is like, and well, we we could have been nicer. <laughs> I, like, I don't think I even got that. Really? I got like, this is an arrowhead. <laughs> like, look at this pottery. <laughs> oh, who made that? Oh, this Native American tribe. Where are yeah. they today? <laughs> they were totally wiped out. <laughs> oh, that's actual called genocide. Actual genocide. Yeah. 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 But you know, it's not like the not like the Holocaust. No, <laughs> they yeah. were the worst. Marmalade is served. Ah! Yeah, and which kind of reminds me of. How Frank and Doctor or Frankenstein's monster tried to convince everyone Rick was wrong, because well, not just wrong, but a parasite. A parasite. Which yeah, I was thinking how like you take that term that condenses all the fear, you know, like yes. a terrorist or a communist or uh-huh. a fascist, yes, and then you apply it against the person who's trying to expose it. Ex- it that's exactly right. And there's a famous, uh, famous phrase by one of the high-ranking Nazis, and it was something like accuse the other side of that which you are guilty of doing oh damn yeah, yeah. that's exactly yeah. what frankenstein's monster did and people have been at pointing that chaos it's at least a chaos paranoia um, like mccarthyism but, exactly like oh you know they're, they're extreme or with with our current society today it's like hillary rigged the election like uh, hillary's lost guys like it's long gone like <laughs> let's forget about like the clinton collusion with russia like why do you keep accusing the clintons and hillary of colluding with russia like people are pointing to this whole thing of like the current administration is constantly accusing people of of do- oh, here's here's another fucking one sorry this i just remembered this donald trump recently said that uh, the Democrats who did not clap for him during his State of the Union address might have committed treason. Oh, my God. (laughs) Isn't that horrible? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's like, that's like totalitarianism. Yeah. If that's treason. Yeah. Because they didn't agree with something you said because they didn't clap for you. You're, you're like putting the, the like harshest, like social political crime possible onto them. Yeah. Like and I'm Yeah, and selling this blind patriotism. Yeah. You're supposed to just like accept and love everything a leader does, even I mean that's how fascism comes to power. That's because you trust and love everything about this person and accept all these really simple false memories. Yeah. And it's create just totally eat up the narrative that everything is joyous and peaceful and really you're being taken being taken over i'm walking here <laughs> i just i love this rick and morty episode how they frame it that every memory of these parasites is good because yeah. a blind follower of a totalitarian can only remember the good stuff they've done remember the barbecue remember the barbecue so like these hardcore Trump followers, they only remember the good stuff he's done. They don't mm-hmm. remember his like extramarital affairs and they don't remember any of the bad shit he did. And they literally have, just like block it out. They fucking block it out. Like fucking evangelical Christians. We're here to help. Are not upset that he definitely had an affair with a porn star like four months after his wife gave birth. They just fucking block it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then this, yeah, another another thing that I actually I read about this, I can't take credit for thinking of this to just show another layer of, of the episode is, you know, we've been talking about politics and the media, but also like the way television and like your classic television shows just spin this blissful portrait of reality, you know, like your, your Brady mm-hmm. Bunch, or your happy days, you know, it's a pretty clear happy days reference with that Fonz character. And like, oh, yeah, like everything's great, <laughs> you know, and it like informs this perception of what like the ideal life is when really yeah. it's total bullshit. And so in order to like overcome that, which, you know, Justin Moreland and Dan Harmon might be suggesting we like inherit from these old shows, then you have to like fucking kill them all and like 
affirm the negative and mm. this episode affirms the negative pretty hardcore in the final scene <laughs> when all the parasites are killed it's just like a uh, war zone around the house and everyone sits yeah. down at the table like whoa that was exhausting and they sit down to eat some pork chops and then out of nowhere pops in mr poopy butthole oh wee pork chop yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this little poopy pants is hungry and asked to be passed a pork chop and because the paranoia has infiltrated so intensely beth shoots him yeah <laughs> it turns out blast him against the wall <laughs> all this blood shoots out and it turns out that he's been real the entire time <laughs> yeah. my wife shot a longtime family friend <laughs> he's lying there in agony he's just screaming why beth why <laughs> is this what bleeding to death feels like <laughs> is this how i die <laughs> this is what bleeding to death is holy <laughs> there's this like subtle thing he says at the end as Beth is pouring herself wine and chugging yeah. it because she realizes what she's done. To her. <laughs> He's like, wasn't supposed to hurt, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I only got that for the first time today. <laughs> it's the last thing he says before the credits roll. <laughs> and then the episode ends, so it ends like as darkly as an episode can end where like the most lovable character of all time yeah. is just like shot <laughs> yeah because it's so funny i mean you love him the whole time and you're convinced that he's definitely a parasite but like, like somehow rick is totally blind to it <laughs> yeah somehow he's just like found his way in even to rick <laughs> then it ends it has this classic post-credits sequence where Mr. Poopy Butthole is not, in fact, dead, and he's going through intensive physical therapy, and his perpetual smile is essentially just turned upside down, and he's got a <laughs> little frown on his hot dog face, and he has the nurse relay the message that he's sorry they never had any unpleasant memories of him. <laughs> that is so amazingly sad. <laughs> it's just like this lovable, perfect little guy. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that shows how, like, the... The paranoia of this type of mentality can just like infiltrate people's minds and like turn them against each other. Like, you know, the, the way they were turning against Rick earlier. And then, yeah. you know, they think that this one character who's like the best of them all is actually like a parasite. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's in some ways so like frightening because like thought is so powerful. You know, like it, it takes generations and generations for a thought to like to to like leave you know what i mean like um i remember i took a history class in college pork chop and it was the t the professor was particularly interested in culture and how culture transforms and he would point to something that happened in like the 300s like 300 AD and he would directly follow it up until like modern times and it was like holy shit like that had that thought not happened back then society as we know it would be fundamentally different and so like the the point was basically like a thought which like manifests itself in a big way in culture like just it sticks around and so this idea that like <laughs> people like have like fundamental views of reality like in that final scene with like beth and mr poopy butthole like that's reality is now that Mr. Poopy Butthole's a parasite. <laughs> and Mr. Poopy Butthole's reality is that he's real. Like, there's like no way of reconciling that until Beth finally takes action. <laughs> yeah, we just ex like come to accept these truths and embed them in collective memory. And like, you know, you can chart the whole history of science as having these absolute like global paradigms that have these established limits. And then someone comes in like Darwin or something. And it's like, Hey, uh, we're actually animals too. Yeah. Like, there's nothing special about us. And people just fucking hate them. They're like, <laughs> yeah. get the fuck out of here and like try to kill them. But like, <laughs> or, like, you know, exile them from countries. Yeah. And then, you know, throughout time it's like, Oh yeah, that person was right. <laughs> and <laughs> just like always happens. Yeah. Cause people are stupid. People are stupid. People are stupid. Butthole. <laughs> Just believe what we're being fed by the, uh -huh. by the media, man. <laughs> by the corporate elite. <laughs> <laughs> the corporate elite are brainwashing us like parasites. <laughs> you got to stand up to the man. <laughs> oh. yeah, everyone's wow. brain brainwashed by Gump. Yeah, yeah Gump. Very Spielbergian. 
Very Spielbergian. The ultimate parasite. Totally. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think we just uh, obliterated that episode. Yeah, that was fucking fun. Yeah, that was like hyperdrive. That was hyperdrive. <laughs> Set a course for Morty's High School. Took that uh, portal gun. Yeah, just went. Went for it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, like... um I don't know if I would be able to do this for every episode, but I think this could be done for every episode. Of Rick and Morty? Uh, yeah, like I think every episode has enough just yeah. totally, um, I don't know, relevant uh, material and thought in it that like every episode could be like, boom, here we go. Like 40 yeah. minute dissection. Yeah, they have this way of like creating like five second images that could lead to 20 minute conversations. Yeah. Like totally. just like what, what their implications are. I don't know. <laughs> These yeah. guys think of this kind of stuff. Like maybe that's why it <laughs> takes them so long to create a season because mm-hmm. it's, it's a dense show. Yes, it is. <laughs> dense in its imagery. And like at the same time, just hilarious and enjoyable to watch. Like yeah. Good stories. So fucking funny. Like I, uh, I laughed my ass off the first time I saw one of the Mr. Me thinks. <laughs> And just, that killed me. <laughs> yeah, I just watched that one the other day. It's, it's a classic. Yeah. And it's like the voice. I think it's the voice and like the, what they decided on for that, for Mr. Me Thinks to look like with these like tall, uh, long. Mr. Me Seeks, right? Oh, Me Seeks. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Me Seeks. <laughs> I'm Mr. Me Seeks. <laughs> Justin Roiland does like all these voices. Yeah. <laughs> they all kind of sound the same. <laughs> Like, Sean, something just just to real quick mention it because it's one of the, my favorite things I've ever seen in my entire life. In that pilot episode when uh, Morty is running and he runs through that weird smoke, <laughs> and I guess in that process he is like incubated some weird creature that as he's running he spits out and within the course of about one and a half seconds goes through all stages of life and then keels over and dies. <laughs> Yeah, he basically like spits out phlegm, yeah. and that phlegm like grows into. It starts <laughs> running with it goes him. from like, yeah, it's running right alongside him. Goes through all stages of life as just this green blob, and <laughs> just keels over and dies. Yeah, that's that's the first time when I was when I laughed hysterically watching the show, and I was like, okay, I've never seen anything like that. That's the same. That is fucking funny. Same, exact same <laughs> moment for me. Yeah. Yeah, so this this show is totally rich in imagery, and uh, like, it's it's very subtle. But I really think every episode is like making some crazy statement, even if it's just like everything is pointless. Like, because some of them feel that way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a lot more going on in this universe than we think, and there's no meaning behind it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a lot of the episodes they don't have any rest. Like, the episode will end, and like everything will be tied up, but nothing feels resolved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they go through story arcs and, and whatnot. So, you know, you can watch this show and definitely see references to like Futurama and like The Simpsons and Family Guy and South Park, but it's not derivative of any of them. And it's like 100% its own thing. So if you have not watched Rick and Morty, Butthole. you should watch some episodes without a doubt. Just like Google, yeah. you know, Rick and Morty episode one, season one, and you'll find it on Daily Motion. But Butthole. I would highly recommend watching total recall yeah you should talked about and enjoying it because even you know even if you listen to this and you haven't seen the episode you will still enjoy the shit out of it yeah you will at the very least see something that really makes you laugh yeah that's that that's what this show can guarantee i'm walking here yep apparently it can also guarantee a hour-long conversation on a 20-minute episode (laughs) yeah yeah Oh, so, uh, hey, listener, thank you very much for joining us on this uh, different episode. And, um, Ricky Ticky Tabby! Yeah. Yeah. We just, we, we wish you good thoughts and free thoughts and, um, free thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> and resist the parasites. Resist the parasites. Butthole. Mm-hmm. That should be a shirt. Thanks to all the, uh, yeah, that should be a shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks to the former students who inadvertently led this episode to be. Yeah. Good job. Keep, yeah, good job. Keep snobbing away. Please. Alrighty, well, take care, listener, and um, that's about it. That's the way the news goes. Yeah, wubba lubba dub dub. <laughs> Burger time! <laughs>
I like how some sometimes Rick is just like, all right, uh, we'll be right back after the break. Yeah. <laughs> just talk to the camera. Yeah, it'll just become like super metafictional. <laughs> hey! All right, farewell. See ya. Butthole.